goal this morning is really just to encourage, uh, on Father's Day, to encourage our dads and, um, and to challenge them as well as we are on a journey, uh, a very important journey of, of faith. And as we move away uh, day by day from the political perspective or the political definition of what being a father or being a husband is, and we move into or, or, or seek or strive for a, a biblical fatherhood or, or being a biblical husband. And the Word of God has so much to say about what it looks like to be the right type of a father and the right type of a husband. And we're challenged each day because the world is, is, is seeking to undermine, um, perhaps a better way of saying that is the world is seeking to redefine what it looks like to be a father and what it looks like to be a husband and even what it looks like to be a wife or to be children or to be a family. The world is doing everything in its power to undermine those things because Satan knows that the family is crucial to the glory of God and to the manifestation of his person to the world around us. Um, the, the family or the home is set up in such a way that it is a beautiful representation of the Trinity and the, the way that God functions with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together in harmony, pursuing one goal and one purpose and one end, that the, the family, husband and wife and children can function in a very similar way as a display or, or as a representation of the glory of God. In our, in our text this morning, at the end of Joshua, just to kind of bring you up to speed on where we're at in the text, Joshua has gone into the promised land at the very beginning of the book. And they've possessed it, and then they've spent some years conquering it. And that happens from about chapter 1 to about 13. And then chapter 14 to about 22, you have the distribution of the land. You have the different people possessing different parts of the land. And then chapter 23 and chapter 24, uh, Joshua calls all of the men, um, he calls all the fathers, the, calls them elders, calls them leaders, but he calls all of the men of, of the Jewish people, of the Hebrew pe- people together, and he, um, he gives them some instructions. And it's within these instructions that we find some challenges uh, for ourselves and, and, and some motivation and encouragement as we move throughout life, some, some of the principles and patterns that we should be adopting as, as husbands and fathers so that we can um, properly represent Jesus Christ. I'm glad to be a part of a church, I believe, that counts us as important and significant and that the men that are here, I believe, are striving for these, for these things. And it's never, um, we, we can't, uh, focus on or, or encourage each other enough in these areas because, because we are constantly being challenged in these ways. Now, let me give you some statistics, uh, some statistics actually from the 1990s that give us an idea of what it looks like in a culture that is um, struggling with what we would call fatherless homes. And this will hopefully give us a uh, some information that we would value the significance of our fathers and encourage them as they strive to represent the Lord uh, in their homes. 21.2% of American children are currently living in fatherless homes. 50, per, 50 to 70% of all children being born in America today are being born into fatherless homes. 
The following statistics are statistics that are directly related to a fatherless home. 63% of youth suicides, 71% of pregnant teenagers, 90% of all homeless and runaway children, 70% of juvenile in-state-operated in institutions, 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders, 71% of school dropouts, 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers, and 85% of youth that are in prison. These are a result, a, a product of homes that are um, fatherless. There's a, uh, there's a, uh, there's one parent home and, and there's certain things that the children are not getting by not having a father in their home that are important to them. In, in our culture today, and we're, again, we're 20 years away from these statistics. I don't know if they're getting better or they're getting worse, but in our culture today, we're still, we're, still, we're still dealing with absent fathers, but we're not dealing with as much physically absent fathers as we're dealing with spiritually and emotionally and mentally absent fathers. In other words, those uh, dads who are just simply not involved. And, and as a, a Christian faith, as, as most of us in here this morning claim to be believers, followers of Jesus, we're, um, most of us dads, we're present in the home, and that's important, but some of us might struggle with being involved. Some of us might struggle with being active in the things that are going on in our children's lives or our wives' lives that are important. Um, some of us might think of the idea that a, a husband or a dad's responsibility is to bring a paycheck home at the end of the day, and, and that's sufficient, and that's what his role is, and, and all of the emotional and spiritual leadership that takes place in the home is, is, is not a dad is not a partaker of it or a participant in it. I understand that leading a home is a, is a team effort. It's a, a husband and a wife working together to, to, to uh, accomplish the task that God has given them. But both parties must participate in this process. We want to encourage our dads this morning. We want to encourage our husbands this morning that as representatives of Jesus Christ, that you play an active role in the emotional, spiritual, and mental health and maturity of your families. And we want to be an example um, of what it is like to be in a family that has a good dad. The church is the greatest picture of a family that has a good dad, Right? There's no better dad than what the church has. Our, our heavenly father is the greatest dad that there is. And the example that we're able to be, the, the, the way that we're able to live and function within our own home says to the world around us that we understand what it's like to have a good dad and, 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 and we understand what it's like to be a good dad. So, so as a representation of Jesus Christ, we want to strive in our daily lives to be active actively involved in every piece and every part of our family's lives to leading them uh, spiritually and, and devotionally to leading them in their emotional struggles. And the, you know, when teenagers get to be teenagers, we, we tend to kind of push them aside because we don't understand what they're going through. But it's at that time that they need someone to partner with them and disciple them into the young adults that they need to become. 
It's at that time that they don't need someone to push them aside and say, you'll get through it, it'll be okay, it's just a phase that you're going through. We need dads and we need moms to embrace and to work with and disciple our children through these difficulties. According to Scripture, the way that we lead our homes begins with being present and available. You're familiar with Ephesians 6 and verse 4, where the Bible says that fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. And I love the way that he phrases that in that text, to bring them up. The idea of it is discipleship. It is a, a walking together, a partnership in bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It doesn't say to send them up. It doesn't say to, to pay someone else to bring them up. It says, fathers, bring your children up. Walk with them, partner with them. We're also familiar with 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, which tells husbands to dwell with your wives, to live with your wives in, a, in an honorable way, to be with them. So to begin with, when we talk about leading our homes, when we talk about being the right type of dad and the right type of husband that we ought to be, it begins with being present. It begins with being available to work with and to walk with our children and our wives. With this in mind, I want to take a few minutes and just unfold some things out of, out of Joshua's statement again at the end of his, really at the end of his life. He's coming to the close of his life. He's approximately 110 years old when he passes, or he is 110 years old, but in this case, he's right in that time frame. He's closing out his life, and he gives these instructions to the uh, fathers, to the leaders of the Hebrew people. And there's some things that he knows that are, are, are at risk. If these things are not listened to and obeyed, that the, the families are going to fall apart, the Hebrew people are going to fall apart, they're going to be dispersed again. And the, promise, the, promise, the promises that they are now experiencing by God's grace, they're going to lose. The blessings, if you will, that are experienced by having these things in place are going to be taking, taken away from them. And, and we know if we study biblical history that this does take place because the children of Israel not long after this begin to walk in their own ways again, begin to do that which is right in their own eyes. And they have to face judgment and, and chastening of the Lord. Verse number 13, I just want to read this to you. This gives us kind of a picture of what is happening. The Bible says, I gave you a land on which you have not labored and cities that you have not built. In other words, all of the blessings of, of the promised land for the children of Israel were grace blessings. And, and we're mindful this morning that everything we have, every good and every perfect gift is from, it's from God, isn't it? Every blessing that we have is a grace blessing. It's something that God has given us in spite of us. And we experience God's blessings every single day. And it, it, is, it, is, it is from him. It is a, a gift from him. So he gives, says that all of these things you haven't worked for, you haven't labored for, I'm giving you these cities that you have not built. You will dwell with them. You will eat the fruit of the vineyard and the olive orchards that you did not plant. 
And then in verse number 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And as the text was read already, you can follow down and you can see some things that Joshua uh, commands or requires of the children of Israel in this moment to help them as leaders in leading their homes and leading their people. So I want to give you a few of those things this morning. If you're taking notes, there'll be three thoughts that we will look at. We'll look at the responsibility to lead, first of all, then the reason to lead, secondly, and then the requirements to lead thoroughly, thirdly, Something that we need in the end, we'll look at some, some things, some basics, some basic helpful truths that help us to lead as um, husbands and, and fathers in the home. The first thing that I want you to think about this morning is the fact that he, when Joshua will, will read it to you, I'll read it in verse number 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in this region um, beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whom, whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He goes down in verse number Uh, 18 or 19, and Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God, he is a jealous God, he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. So Joshua tells them right away in regards to the responsibility to leave, that this is a, this is a, I called this in, in, in thought one, this is a pivotal call. Okay, this is a pivotal call, meaning it's, a, it's an important call. It's a, a significant call. What Joshua is saying to the fathers of the children of Israel is this. If you don't lead in the right direction, if you don't lead the right way, then you're going to end up forfeiting all of the blessings that have been given to you by grace. The things that you've experienced in your home, the blessings that you have that God has given you are going to be taken away and you're going to end up back in the same boat that you were in before. And and they do that. I think of what the Lord says again back in 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 about living with your wife in an honorable way, um, giving giving honor to her as the weaker vessel so that your prayers will not be hindered because you're heirs together of the graces of life. In other words, your harmony with your wife and your harmony with your family are directly connected to the graces that you receive in life. The graces that your home receives, the the blessings that you have is directly connected to how you're working together as a husband and a wife. God has, it's almost as if God has said, a, harm, a harmonious family has certain blessings directly connected to that. And those blessings are graces. They're not earned or deserved. They're graces. But God has has tied them and locked them together. So that if you want to have certain blessings in your home, having these blessings is directly related to having the right relationship with your wife. And I think it's true, and I don't think it's too far-fetched to say, that when you have a really good relationship with your wife, that relationship with your wife will impact your children as well. And it will give them strength and security and comfort to be able to do the right things as well. This is a pivotal call. This is an important call and a significant call. And it's a significant call to us today, guys, to lead. If we don't lead in the right direction, if we don't do the right things now, 
we end up down the road looking back and saying, well, how did we get here? What happened? And we realize that it was because at some point we decided not to lead or we decided not to lead in the right direction. This is a pivotal, important call. This is a call that's going to set the stage for the Jewish people's future. Sometimes I wonder, I think about decisions that I've made in my life and looking back on them and, and you begin to see some of the fruits of those and you realize and you think to yourself, did I choose the right path? It's really hard to go back, isn't it? It's really hard to go backwards. That's why it's so important and so significant that when you start making these decisions, you start making these decisions on your knees before God, asking him for direction, uh, delighting in him and, and letting him direct your path. The decisions that we make, guys, as leaders of our homes are important decisions. It's a pivotal call. Number two, it's a personal call. Joshua says, choose you this day. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua makes a decision for himself that he and his family are going to follow the Lord. They're going to serve the Lord. The Lord's going to be their, their, their guide in life, their pursuit in life, their goal in life. But Joshua doesn't make the decision for all of the men. He says, choose you this day. Each, each leader of each tribe and each leader of each home, choose who you're going to follow. Choose who you're going to serve. It's a personal call. None of us can depend upon other people to make the decision for us. We can't depend upon our grandparents or our parents to make those decisions for us. We have to make those decisions for ourselves. God has called us personally to lead our homes and our families. Number three, it is a prompt call. It's a prompt call. It's a call, it's a call for now. It's a call for today. It's not a call for tomorrow. It's not a call for next week. It's not a call for next month or next year. The Lord is calling us today to lead our homes the Lord is calling us today to do what is right when it comes to our wives and our children and how we function with them and lead them. You're familiar with 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul says, For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. It's, a, it's an urgent call. The patterns are already being established today. The world is already getting more and more wicked. Matthew 6, the Bible says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If you wait until tomorrow to do the right things, today will get you. It's a call for today. The return of Christ is also imminent, could take place at any point in time in life. We, we don't have any guarantee as to when the Lord is going to return. These decisions we need to make now so it's a personal call, it's a, it's a prompt call, and it's a pivotal call. God is calling us guys to lead our homes. Number two, the reasons why we lead. Why do we lead our families? Why are we supposed to lead our families? Three things in regards to this. Number one is we have an accountability to God to lead our homes. We have an accountability to God. Matter of fact, when Joshua says this, he literally calls the men of these tribes, the leaders of these tribes, the leaders of these homes, and he says, lead your home. Even if you lead your home in the wrong direction, lead your home. 
He says that if you don't see it, if you don't see following God as being the right thing, you see following these other gods as being the right thing, lead your home. The issue is lead your home. We are accountable to God to lead our homes. Men, dads, husbands, we are accountable to God to lead our homes. One day we're gonna stand before the creator of the universe and he's going to, he is going to, to look at us as dads and husbands and he's going to say, I gave you a certain treasure. It's called a wife and children. And he's going to ask us, what did you do with them? They're your accountability. You're responsible for leading them in the right direction. We're, not you, but we're responsible for leading our families in the right direction. And one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for it, for how we led or possibly how we did not lead. Hebrews 13, 17, the Bible talks about obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls and I know this is talking about spiritual leadership within the church, but the principle is, is, the principle is very applicable, that God has set leaders over and that those leaders that he has set over are responsible for their leadership. As those who must give an account, let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be to no advantage for you. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 4 and 5 in the requirements for eldership, the Bible talks about leading or ruling our own households well. The Bible says if a man cannot lead his own household, how is he able to lead the church? Why do we lead? Because there's an accountability before God one day for how we, how did we minister? How did we um, care for those that God gave us? How did we take care of them? How did, how did we bless them? How did we strengthen them? How did we lead them? What direction did we take them in? Because again, they are our wives and our children. They are gifts from God. They are responsibilities that he's given us that he wants us to care for them and to nourish and, tre- and cherish them as he says to us in Ephesians chapter number five. There's an accountability there. In the text here, there's the same thing. There's an accountability he talks about. In verse number 22, Joshua says to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve God. And they said, we are witnesses. And he goes down and he talks about that, that they will be, be accountable. He says in verse number um, 27, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against us, lest you deal falsely with your God. And Joshua set the people away, every man to his own inheritance or to his own home. There's an accountability. Number two, in regards to reasons why we lead, there's an obligation. There's an obligation to our families to lead our families right. Let me give you three things in regards to our obligation. Number one, God depends on us to lead our homes. You say, God doesn't need us to lead our homes, and I agree with you 100%. God doesn't need anyone. But God depends upon us to lead our homes. And the reason why God depends on us to lead our homes is because God has sovereignly placed us as the heads of our homes. It's a part of his divine design. 
I think of what the scripture says in Matthew 23 and verse 37 when he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who have sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. The Lord says, I would have gathered your children together. I would have, I would have brought your children to myself, but the Bible says that they would not. It's referring to the parents. The Lord has established an order, and the Lord honors that order. The Lord depends upon us to lead our homes. Our wives depend on us to lead our homes. Do you know what a, do you know what a wife's, do you know what a, the way that a wife expresses a love for God in an earthly way in the home? A wife expresses their love for God in an earthly way, by being submissive to their husband. That's what God calls them to do. God calls the wife to submit to their husband as to the Lord, right? Am I off track? Submit to your, that's what God calls them to do. The way that they express their love for God is by being submissive to their husband. Listen, husbands, our calling is to make it pleasant to be submissive. A right leader is not difficult to submit to. A godly leader is not hard to submit to. A godly leader is honorable. A godly leader is such a person that it is easy to submit to them. We should be striving as men with all, with, as men with all of our hearts to make it pleasant for our wives to submit to us. Ask yourself the question, is it pleasant to submit to the Lord? Why is it pleasant to submit to the Lord? It's pleasant to submit to the Lord because of all he has done for us. True? It's a challenge to us as husbands and dads. It's a challenge to us. God has said the wife is made in such a way that she, her greatest way of expressing her love for me is by submitting to her husband. Husbands, be Jesus to your wife. Right? Love your wife like Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And then let me ask you this question. Number three, our children need us to be good leaders. What's the one thing that your, children, your, children, your child is called to do in this world to represent their love for God? What's the one thing that your child is called to do to represent their love for God? To obey. Your child is called to obey. That's it. They're called to be obedient. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, right? And then in verse number four, Father, do not provoke your children to anger. What is he saying there? Children, you're supposed to obey your parents. Dads, make it possible for your children to obey your parents. Be Christ to your children. Why do we lead? Because we have an accountability to God and we have an obligation to those people around us who are depending upon us so that they can carry out what God has called them to carry out. I wrote this down about wives. It is so important that the one to whom a wife submits honors, loves, cherishes, and provides for her mentally, 
emotionally and spiritually. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's difficult, it's hard. As we realize what Christ has done for us, we can be that for other people. Those are some reasons why we lead. Requirements to lead, three things in regards to requirements to lead. Number one is we have to be decisive. Joshua says it, choose you this day. In other words, make, it, make a decision, make a choice. Be decisive in your leadership. There's nothing more, now let me say it this way, something that is spoken of consistently throughout God's word is the, one of the greatest dangers of leadership or the lack thereof is a, is a wavering all the time, is an indecisiveness, a, a James 1, a, 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 a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A uh, Matthew 6, a uh, man cannot serve two masters. He will love one and hate the other. You can't juggle, you can't juggle who you serve. I like this scripture in 1 Kings 18, 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is Lord, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And the people would not answer him a word. To be a leader, we have to be decisive. Where are we going? What are we doing? What is our purpose? What is our plan? What is our goal? And how are we going to get there? That's what leadership does. It gives hope in a desperate situation. We must be decisive with our families. Where are we going? What are we doing? Number two in regards to leadership is we must be devoted to our families. We must be devoted to our Lord. In this text, we see devotion by Joshua to the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was devoted to two things. Number one, Joshua was devoted to his Lord. He was devoted to the one that he followed. He was devoted convictionally. In, in other words, you ever met someone that was convictional about what they were devoted to? Joshua was convictional about his devotion to the Lord. But Joshua was not only convictional about his devotion to the Lord, he was also convictional about his devotion to his people. We must be not just devoted to the Lord, we should be. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also love your neighbor as yourself. First John tells us how can a man love the Lord and not love his own brother? For his own family. Leaders have convictional devotion. Leaders have convincing sacrifice. They're willing to give up their desires, their time, their money, their friends, their accolades, all of these things. They're willing to give these things up for the, for the good of their people and for the furtherance of the ministry of the one that they follow. They're devoted in such a way that their sacrifice is convincing. Their sacrifice, it's, again, it's, it's Ephesians 5. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In other words, my love for my wife and my love for my children should be convincing. Does that, that make sense? It should be so intense. How many of you question Jesus' love for you? Was it convincing? 
Is everybody convinced that Jesus Christ loved them? Don't let our, Lord, don't let me ever be in such a way that my wife would not be convinced of my love for her and my children would not be convinced of my love for them. Leaders are convincing in their sacrifice and then leaders are consistent in their love. Their love is unconditional. Their love is unwavering. Their love is always unquestionable. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is what love looks like. This is what we're called to. This is what Joshua is calling his people to. The last thing that must be present the last thing this morning in our, in our responsibility, our requirements to lead is development, change. I want, I want you to look at this portion with me in verse 19. And Joshua said to his people, the people say in the verses before this, we will serve God. And they give several reasons why, they should, why they're going to serve God. God has done all this stuff for us. We will serve him. Here's Joshua's response. Joshua says to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. And just stop for a moment and meditate on that phrase. Here this group of people are. Joshua has said, choose whom you're going to serve. The people say, we choose the Lord. Obviously, the Lord has done so much for us. Joshua says to them, you are not able to serve the Lord. And here's what Joshua is saying to them. You must be ready to change. We cannot follow the Lord in our current state. He says it's a pursuit. It's not a place where you arrive. It's something that you constantly pursue. So he says to them, you can't serve the Lord in your current state. He is a holy and just and righteous God. It's to look at our, look at our life, look at our direction, look at all of these things and say, I must keep going in pursuing the Lord. I must keep going in leading I can't stay where I'm at because I'm following a holy and righteous and perfect God. We must move and be ready to move, be ready to change, be ready to grow. If we're going to lead people, we must be going somewhere. And we must continue to go there. In closing this morning, if you're a father that's here this morning, a dad, a husband, or whatever, and you have perhaps raised your kids already, they're already off, they're already living um, the adult life, and maybe you feel like you have made some mistakes, maybe you feel like you have failed in certain ways, let me encourage you with this. Number one, the gospel is bigger than your mistakes. Remember that. God is bigger than the failures that we've made. Every dad in here and every husband in here has failed in some way or another. Amen? Amen. The gospel's bigger. The gospel is never incapable. Pray and trust and pray and trust and God will do his work. God's grace is sufficient to overcome your mistakes. And number three, your mistakes, if you will use them, might be the catalyst that keeps someone else from making the same mistakes.
Sometimes our humility and where we failed might be the thing that keeps our kids from going down the same path. I, I, I will confess this personally before you as my church family, that there are things that I have done that, that my son Jared hopefully will never touch. And you know why? Because I have been seriously serious about him never touching those things. And do you know why I was so serious about them? Because I did. Your failures can be the greatest blessing to, to the next generation if you'll use them that way. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a dad who's just getting started. Remember this. Choose early. Choose wisely. Choose collectively, meaning work with your wife on these things. Choose decisively where your family is going. Where are we going? You've got to have the goal in mind before you'll pursue it properly. Someone once said to me, I pray that my kids will grow up and be successful. And I understand that principle. But by all means, let us pray that our children grow up and be godly. Establish traditions and habits that cultivate these goals. Family devotions, prayer, attending church together, these types of things. Establish traditions and habits that cultivate reaching the goal that you have set out to reach. And resist the temptation and avoid anything that hinders your ultimate purpose. The devil is always throwing things in our path to keep us from reaching our goal, even oftentimes things that are not innately bad. But they'll get you to turn right or they'll get you to turn left because turning right or turning left is easier than going over that hurdle that Satan has thrown in your way that will keep you going straight. Do you know what I mean? Resist those things. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Be devoted to the well-being and the spiritual health of your family. Be devoted to the well-being and the spiritual health of your family. Be constantly growing and conforming into the image of Christ. It's been once, it was once said by a gentleman, every parent should remember one day his child will follow his example and not his advice. If you're here this morning and you're not a dad, you've never been a dad, and you possibly believe that you might not ever be a dad, let me encourage you, you're important to the dads of this church. You can be a prayer warrior. You can be one who holds up the arms of those dads who are struggling. There isn't any man in this church that's not significant to this purpose. You can be a prayer warrior. You can be a helping hand to a struggling dad. You can be a mentor to a child that doesn't have a dad. There's so much that you can do if you don't have children to still accomplish and carry out God's purpose for us men in mentoring and blessing other people. You can be actively active in, the, in um, parenting legally or practically. You can adopt. There's a lot of different ways, but 
But let me say this, you're a, you're a dad who has, feels like you have failed, you're a dad who's just getting started, you're a dad, you're someone who will possibly never be a dad. Let me encourage you this morning, you're important to the kingdom of the Lord. Your testimony and representation to children, to wives, to ladies, all of that thing is significant to God's kingdom. I pray this morning that each one of us that's here, that we will take on ourselves this great responsibility and at the same time this great privilege to lead our families in the way of Christ, that our children will grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they'll say at the end of their days, my dad was the greatest example of Jesus Christ that I've ever seen. And we can do that. What do we have to do? We've got to go. We've got to move. We've got to be ready to do whatever God calls us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word that strengthens us and guides us and encourages us to do the things that we need to do. Thank you for your spirit that lives within us, is there to comfort and, and teach and instruct and and. and convict and, and work with us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done to make us a part of your family. I just pray, Lord God, that as, as we leave here this morning, that, that the dads that are here and the men that are here will be encouraged on, of the importance and the significance of, of carrying out their responsibility and doing it well. Doing it, Lord God, in the power of the Spirit that you, Lord, might be glorified and honored with the results. I pray your blessing on all that are here today. You'll work in them and work through them. In Christ's name, amen.